All right, so we just got done interviewing Andy Brown. Uh, he was a former member of our of the Marine Corps shooting team. He's been out since 2019, and he's currently a sheriff. It was really good conversation with, uh, you know, his experience now as being a law enforcement officer, how he currently trains, and, you know, the carryover that it does. And, and him and I kind of, you know, reconnected last year after we got done with, or after myself and Frank got done with a tactical games team event and Andy and I talked probably for a good couple hours and, you know, him and I are going to be teammates together. So it was really good to kind of get his perspective on things and how he plans on training moving forward as we train for this upcoming tactical games team event. Frank, uh, what you got on it? So it's clear to me that, Andy's more or less left behind his three-run background, but it's also influenced a lot of the way that he approaches his training, preparing for law enforcement. From my perspective, it's good to see someone, uh, a law enforcement officer, that takes fitness and firearms as seriously as Andy does. That's the kind of person that I would want defending my community for sure. Yeah, so we hope you like it. Um, let us know what you think afterwards, and have a good one. Yep. Give me a nod when you're ready. Shooter's ready. Stand by. Hello, everyone. This is Matt Gunlock from the 3G IQ podcast. I'm joined here today with my co-host, Frank Gow, and my good friend, Andy Brown. Now, Andy used to be on the Marine Corps shooting team. He was here there from 2016 to 2018, started out as a summer shooter like most others do, and then he got invited to be on the team full time. He was one of the number one competitors on the team while he was there. He was a team coach for the Marine Corps shooting team. And he brought a lot to the table. He was a, literally a top 10 competitor at just about every match that he went to. He's got a lot of great insight and he's going to be providing a lot of really good, valuable information for us here tonight. So, Andy, uh, can you go ahead and start us off and tell us about yourself? Well, gentlemen, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for the awesome introduction. You really hyped me up. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks again for having me. It's nice meeting you, Frank. And yeah, who I am, I'm Andy Brown. I currently live in Indiana, father, um, got three kiddos, and I was a Marine for six years, actually five years and 11 months. And I had the opportunity to come over to the Marine Corps shooting team. It's a great experience. I spent almost three years there. I I think I EIS in, um, what was it, November? No, it was in December. I don't know. It was the end of 2018 when I got out and went on terminal. But, yeah, it was a good time. And I competed a lot, met a lot of great guys, had an awesome team that I was, you know, super grateful to be around. And 
a little bit of time as the, the head coach over there in the training department of it on the action shooting team. And that's pretty much it. Right now I'm part-time sheriff deputy. I just stepped away from a full-time gig. I was, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I kind of went through that phase of like, what do I want to do in life? And I kind of always had in the back of my head, I wanted to do something in law enforcement. So I went through the tryouts for a couple of different agencies, ended up getting hired on at a city department, worked over there for about a year and a half, got tired of the, the swing shift, night shift, day shift, night shift, day shift, started my own business, left the police department. Sorry, my kids are trying to come out of the house like crazy people right now. Um, started my own business and actually got hired on a sheriff's department part-time. And then I went full-time with the sheriff's department later on, which I'm sure we'll get into that when it comes to law enforcement questions. Um, and now I've actually, I've went back to part-time sheriff deputy now. So that's what I'm doing. I run a business exterior cleaning company and part-time sheriff deputy. Oh, awesome. Hey, I, you know, we appreciate everything that you've done for us on the team and you know, I'm sure the community appreciates everything that you're doing for them now. Um, so as we spoke, you you spent time in the Marine Corps most and most notably your last years in the Marine Corps were on the shooting team. Can you describe that experience of being on the team and what it meant to you? Yeah, that was looking back on it was a great time. I loved so you get this perspective, I feel like, when you leave the Marine Corps. A lot of things you, you take for granted while you're in, and you don't realize it until you're out. And looking back on it, the years I had on the teams with the guys that I was with on the action shooting team, and you guys know who you are, that was the, like, hands down best time of my life I've ever had. The the like the friendship that we had was insane. Like we were all so like-minded, our small action shooting team was. And I don't know. I love it. Looking back, I miss it. I still miss it to this day. I still think about all those guys all the time. And, you know, the good times we had and how we pushed each other every day. Like every day we were training, it was a competition that who was the fastest, who was the most accurate, who was this, who was that, you know, who could do the best of, you know, whatever the thing we were doing that day, it was always a competition. I love that with those guys. Cause when you, when you get out of the Marine Corps, it's, it's extremely hard to find that again, to find that team that is constantly pushing each other all the time, nonstop, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, what are you doing this weekend to better yourself type deal. And, that was my experience on team. I absolutely loved it. I was the action shooting team guy. I did I did do bullseye. I was actually – that's how I learned about the Marine Corps shooting team was through a uh, – what was it? I can't remember which match I shot. It was either 29 Palms or, or a competition. It was actually in comp – it was in Okinawa, Japan is where I first competed. And that's where I met James Fair. Um, staffs, I believe he was a staff sergeant at the time. And I met James. He was on the action shooting team. No, he wasn't. I'm sorry. He was a competitor at the time. And that's where I met James. And he ended up going over to the action shooting team later before I did. And then I shot another competition and he recognized me because we both medaled that match. I think I took the first match I shot, I think I took 
whatever. It doesn't matter. Second or third, I think. And James recognized me. And that's where I learned more about shooting team. Hey, you know, this is what we do. We're the action shooting team. Because when the first match I shot was bullseye. It was all bullseye, everything. Um, no, it wasn't. I'm sorry. It was it was hybrid. It was like a bullseye, heavy at the front. And then we had a little bit of action at the very end. And that was it. So that that's kind of where I started out. You know, I met James Fair through that. And uh, he got me on the team as a summer shooter. And I went over there and spent five, four or five months with them, just training up all the time. All the time we were training. And uh, <clears throat> like I said, summer shooter, went over there, trained with those guys. Um, the team at the time, who was it? It was, it was Nate, Nate Stocking, of course. Martin Lucera, which I still talk to quite often, and then Staff Sergeant Fair at the time. Um, he's still in now. I think he's the first sergeant now. And then um, Vega, Jimmy Vega. I don't know if you guys ever met Vega or not, but I met Vega a, back in. Player. Yeah, I met Vega at 2016 FNH3 Gun Championship. That's whenever he 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 actually yeah. approached me. He was like, "Hey, you thought about coming to the team?" I was like, "No, I'm a uh, I'm going to go overseas again because I want to get an deployment under my belt." He's like, "Oh, okay." And then, and, then, and then Nate was like, when I was overseas, Nate was like, hey, dude, you want to come over to the team, take over my job? I was like, look, let me think about this. I'm here for a year. How much, How long do you have? He's like, well, you, you have some time. I was like, called my wife that night. I was like, hey, I just got offered to come over here. What do you think? And she's like, do you want to do it? I was like, yeah, I think I want to take a break after this deployment because I was like, third back-to-back-to-back deployment that I went on. And she's like, okay, do it. But, yeah, Jimmy's the first person I ever talked to on the team. He was was a people person, man. He could go up and talk to anybody, and he was so just – he's so positive the whole time. Like, I never – Jimmy, when I was on teams with him, he worked his butt off all the time doing the admin logistics of – the team and the the ammo request and the range request, and, you know, he was he was making. I mean, he w- he was doing a lot for us behind the scenes that I don't think a lot of. You know, he did he he probably didn't get enough recognition for because the guy was awesome. He did a lot for us to keep us training on the day to day, all the time. Um, and then when he left, you know, he passed that responsibility on. But yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Vega, he was an awesome guy. He was he was a great guy. I love being around him. So something I've always, I mean, I like to ask different guys from the team this, but it's such a rare opportunity to be able to be an active duty Marine, represent the Marine Corps, go out to all these different matches and also just train to the best of your ability. So from your time on the team, what would you say was your proudest achievement? Oh, man. Well, that's a good question. When I was when I was competing, I kind of got like engulfed in the competition. Like I had a, I never thought of myself as like a real competitive guy. I was kind of like always like, eh, whatever. Until I got on the team, and then all I wanted to do was do the best I can, you know. And I, I would really kind of get discouraged in myself when I wouldn't do as well. Um, but probably. If, like a goal that I set 
was I wanted to go double distinguished as an action shooter. That was kind of like the thing at the time when I was on teams, there wasn't a lot of double distinguished action guys. And I did that first, uh, that first match in Okinawa. I got a silver. I'm pretty sure I placed second in that match. And I earned pistol points at that match. And I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to medal. That was like my kind of goal. Like in the, in the Marine Corps side of things, I wanted to double, double distinguish the Marine. I had like Marine Corps goals and then I had civilian goals. The Marine Corps goals was I wanted to double distinguish before I got off the team. And I, I did that fairly quick. Um, I was, I was fortunate enough and I had the, the administration in the, the teammates to support me. Like, for example, Staff Sergeant Lucero at the time, Martin, he, that guy, he pushed me all the time, no matter what we were doing, like the silliest things, like, like loading mags on the back of the truck, we would start loading mags and it was a race, like all the time, you know, who, like everything was a race to him. And when I was around him, we raced all the time, all the time, all the time. So he, he was a super, super, super big influencer for me. Um, to just be the best I can, go, 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 go. So I, I set that goal out to be double distinguished. I double distinguished in action shooting through those competitions. And then the civilian part of it, I just, I wanted to like consistently be consistent. I wanted to place top 10% every match. That was like my goal. And I was fortunate enough to, to do pretty well. Um, there were some matches I did better than others, of course, but, I was, I had a, I would like to say I had a pretty awesome, awesome time when I was on team and awesome short little career there where I was, I was pretty good at, you know, when I was competing and I, I felt satisfied when I left the team. I felt like, you know, I had, I had met my goals. So. Yeah, sure. sounds like it. Um, just hearing you say that about, you know, bringing competition and everything. It reminded me of um, if you guys have seen the last dance that Michael Jordan documentary and how he basically makes like everything a competition, like throwing quarters against a wall, trying to get the quarter closest to the wall. Um, that's kind of what made that guy tick. And like you, I kind of like nonchalant when I first got into competition shooting, but now I'm at the point I'm like, no, I'm like in it to win it. I want to like put the time in. Uh, speaking of putting the time in, so training and practice, what's something that's changed about your training habits from the time that you were on the team to now? Well, um, of course, I don't have the, the ammo like I did <laughs> when I was on the shooting team. So, uh, or the time, the training time. But so when I got out, I got out in 2019 and I never quit training. Like, I don't train near as much. I definitely don't train three gun. My training now is more oriented toward self defense. I do a lot of concealed carry training and I do a lot of police type style training because I'm a sheriff deputy. So I train a lot, you know, on my, I'm fortunate enough to have a home range. I own five acres out here in Southern Indiana and I got my own gun range. So I'll go out there and shoot, you know, live fire. I don't know, five, six times a month, maybe not a lot, but enough to stay proficient with the weapon systems. You know, the SBR that we carry on the ERT team, I shoot that a lot. It's got the old, you know, EOTech on it. I stay proficient with that and I stay proficient with my Glock 17, which I carry on duty 
and then I stay proficient with my carry gun, which is the 365 XL or the uh, regular 365. So that's kind of how my training has changed. I don't really compete or I don't train to compete anymore in like the three gun or USPSA. It's just training for real life is, is how I do it. And I'm still, you know, I'm still hitting the gym either at 3.30 in the morning because, you know, I work a lot and the family's asleep at three o'clock in the morning. So I'm waking up, and I'm picking up the sandbag in the, you know, in the home gym or at the gym of the sheriff's department. Or I'm out here on the range, like I'll post a lot on my Instagram or Facebook um, doing like range workouts with center blocks, tires, sandbags, stuff like that. Because I, I feel like that's, you know, that's keeping me relevant in my job field. As a, as a cop, I don't want to become unrelevant. Once I've become that, then I'm just, I'm a statistic and I'm just going to, I'm just going to be like a lot of other guys are, unfortunately. And I, I don't want to ever be like that. I want to set the example all the time. I'm sure the people in your community appreciate you uh, striving for excellence the way you do. Um, so talking about self-defense training, we talked a little bit about tactical games before we started recording this podcast. So there is a competition that you have coming up that you're working towards. What's the specific like skill lift part time that you're working towards right now and trying to master? So what I've done with that is from what little research I've done with the tactical games, it seems like you need to be very well at maintaining your composure under stress. So I've been doing a lot of sandbag work, a lot of heavy carries, and then calming myself down to take well accurate, you know, place well-aimed shots. That's my whole, like, training right now. I do a lot of shooting and moving because of law enforcement, especially with pistol. Because if you look at, you know, police-involved shootings, very, very, very rarely is it just standing stagnant and shooting it's all shoot move shoot move or move and shoot move to cover and shoot so i do a lot of that i i do a lot of sprinting i do a lot of moving to cover taking cover taking well accurate shots and one thing i i noticed i've really focused on is is a zone so i still use the the paper targets like you do in three gun and i beat myself up kind of in a way if i'm slinging b's or c's Brothers or Charlies, everything is headshots or alphas. So, and I've, my accuracy is still there, you know, and I feel like the speed is really well, but, or really good. So I'm, I'm just trying to focus on, you know, pushing myself physically in a workout and then shoot. Every one of my range of days, I'm working out on a range day. I don't just go to a range and shoot ammo. I'll do, you know, 50 burpees and then shoot a course of fire or do a ton of center blocks, something with a center block or sandbags in the shoot, of course, of fire to be very accurate. Um, and then kind of, you know, regulate that heart rate while I'm shooting. Have you started training with a vest or anything yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got a, um, I got the 511 Tech Tech. I believe they call it a Tech Tech. It's a, it's a training vest. And I got the 20-pound plates in it, and I just want it slick. So I'll do that um, if I'm doing, like, uh, just kind of like a hasty range workout, but I'm always, I'm consistently at least two times a month. I'm training in my ERT kit or my duty, duty rig. So like with, and this is kind of like one thing I preach a lot when I'm as, in, as at the sheriff's department, we have an ERT team, emergency response team or SWAT team, if you want to call it that, whatever. 
and then we have, you know, your regular patrol. Well, the regular patrol guys that have been through basic SWAT or advanced SWAT schools are on the ERT team. So, like, I try to make my kit similar so everything's the same. So, I'm consistently training, though, with both those kits on because they are a little different, but, you know, they're they resemble each other in a lot of ways. So, I do try to throw that training in at least twice a month where I'm training with my duty rig on, um, whether it be, like, my regular, you know, patrol rig or my ERT rig. So as, as we've talked about it, you went from being in the Marine Corps, you're in law enforcement now. How would you describe that transition and how have the lessons that you've learned in competitive shooting translated into your role as a law enforcement officer? It's, it's definitely made me more. So it's made me more, I think, aware of my surroundings for one. And the way I look at things and with the gun handling, like doing an ERT uh, a raid, like if we do a narcotics raid, if you've never raided a house that is a is a slum, like a, a complete, you know, crap hole of a house, you're in for a, a, a rude awakening, you know, because I remember the first one I did, um, I was kind of like, I just had came out of the Marine Corps competitive shooting. So I was used to the shoot houses where there's nothing in them other than targets to shoot. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very, very open. There's maybe a couple little tight corners, you know, but it's relatively simple. And then when you go and you raid a house and you're on a stack of, you know, five or six guys and there's four or five or six or however many people inside, Plus all their crap on the ground, it completely changes everything, the way you move, the way you flow. So I think, though, that training in the Marine Corps when I was on the team, it really, really, really helped with weapons manipulation. And that's kind of something I try to teach to people a lot because you see a lot of people fumbling around with guns, fumbling around with transitions, rifle to pistol or pistol back to rifle or working immediate remedial action, anything like that. You know, it's it's being on the team i can do that stuff in my sleep i've done so many thousands of reps of those things that it's it's just subconscious i don't have to think about it my body just doesn't and i think being in law enforcement that that's or being on the team and going to law enforcement that's helped me tremendously like when i'm working through a house you know i know where all my stuff is i can reach it because i learned that on the team martin beat that in my head keep things consistent Quit changing your shit all the time, you know, keep it consistent because when you're stressed out and you go to reach for it and it's not there, you know, now you're, you're fumbling around, you're looking, if you keep everything consistent, your subconscious mind just kind of takes over and you just, you just flow with it. Everything flows. I've seen you guys, I've seen a perfect example of that one time on a, on a, on a call out we did. It was an, another narcotics raid and I was actually I was actually contingency plan on that raid. So I was on the outside of the house and the team one went into the home and this guy had a bunch of stuff on his rig, like way too much stuff, you know, like tactical Terry type stuff. And I guess there was a, a need to, to flex cuff an individual that was on the ground and the guy couldn't reach his flex cuffs. He had flex cuffs on him for him to reach like an ideal scenario, but in that environment, he couldn't reach his own flex cuffs. So he had to have another guy come in and grab his flex cuffs to flex cuff this guy. So that's just kind of like, 
I'm I'm always thinking about that. Like I want to be proficient. I want to be efficient. You know, with my weapon systems and my gear. No, I agree. Uh, you know, it kind of remind me when I spent the last, you know, the past four months training and uh, working with the FBI. Um, everything was about consistency. Um, from the time that they draw their weapons out of the armory to they go to the clearing wall to the way they check to make sure that it's clear to the point where they put it back in their holster to whenever they're on the range. Everything is built in the most consistent and repetitive manner. That way, by the time they leave the academy, they have 100,000 reps doing that same thing over and over and over again to to prevent them from having to search for things, you know, it, like you said, it just builds that consistency and efficiency. Yeah. 100%. If you're training it right. And I've seen a lot of that in the law enforcement community where you've got guys, you know, or instructors will say, that have trained a certain way for many, many, many years, and they really haven't involved in training. So they're still training, small training. And, you know, that's still being taught, unfortunately, in the, at least in the state of Indiana, it is. Like their basic police academy, there's very, very, very little shooting and moving. It's all, let's say, like bullseye, four <clears throat> you're at a yard line, and you draw, you shoot two rounds. You know, that's it. That's not real life to me. Um, very, very rarely are you just going to fire two rounds and you're done, you know, and not move. You're going to be shooting and moving. And you're going to be moving to cover or you're going to be advancing, you know, and there's not a lot of that being taught. So, yeah, I think, you know, repetition is everything, but it has to be taught the right way. You know, I think there's a lot of it kind of going on that's maybe not taught so much the right way, but that's my personal opinion on it. You know, I, I I do have a quick question. Like, you know, you talk about a lot of shooting and moving and stuff like that. Did stuff that you do, like, did you have to break yourself out of any bad habits uh, from competition and what you did in competition compared to what you do there in the law enforcement community? Because like in competition, we're trained to go as fast, you know, you're not thinking about clearing corners or, you know, staying behind cover. It's a matter of keeping your gun up, moving shooting did you have to break yourself out of any of those bad habits oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um yep for sure so and you hit the nail on the head the i can't remember which one it was one 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 raid we did i was i was point man so the the breacher he breached the door and i was point man and i went in you know fast i attacked the room and i i feel like i did it in a very safe manner but i my speed is kind of quick and i have to think about the team the guys behind me so i i have a tendency of moving too quickly even though i feel like it's efficient but i'm not i'm not thinking of everything else that's being in play you know like where's my second man at maybe i should just slow it down just a little bit and be a little bit more slower so when he comes in, you know, he's not two seconds behind me. He's now one second behind me, you know, and I don't get attacked for my six. So 
uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen that where I've had to force myself to slow down, go a little bit more slow, smooth, methodical, and and really dig deep and and really look for the cracks and crevices because, like I said, when you go into these homes, there's there's stuff everywhere. There's couches, there's cabinets, there's piles of crap, you know, just piled up in the corner, and it's so easy to. If you're used to shooting competitions, it's so easy to just fly through one of these rooms and just kind of look over everything real fast. To where, like, if you're doing an actual raid, you kind of want to you want to be fast still. Don't get me wrong, like clearing a room, you know. Um, but you don't want to go too fast where you miss stuff because a lot of these people they know we're there because we were we roll up in an LAV or we roll up in cars and they have time to realize, oh shit, the cops are out there. Let's hide. You know, so you do kind of got to slow it down a little bit. You kind of remind me of a quote uh, that I learned uh, in Israel when I was working with their counterterrorism unit. And it kind of summarizes everything that you just said. And it says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And like the that. way those guys move, it's methodical. Uh, it's it's slow, but it's because they're protecting the whole unit and thinking about the whole rather than just one, because these guys are counter-terrorist guys and they're dealing mainly with hostage situations. So they're not trying to do anything that's going to get the hostage killed. They're going methodical. They're being slow. They're being deliberate and they're attacking the room. I like that. That's true. I mean, 100% that, that, yeah, that's it. That's what you got to do when you're working with a team, you know. You can you can only go so fast, you know, and then you're you're you become an asset at that point or too slow and you become an asset, you know. So you got to find that happy medium. And that comes with training. Um, you know, and unfortunately a lot of police departments don't get that training like they should. And you know, we when I was working on night shift, we used to we had this big pole barn. There were several times where we would go out and just focus on clearing this pole barn by ourselves, you know. And at the time, we didn't have an ERT team. Like, with that department, I was not on, like, an ERT team at the time. Uh, we was a fairly small department. There was only, like, two or three guys working on a night shift. So, you you had to, like, take time out of your shift when you weren't doing calls or doing reports or whatever to, like, kind of work together, you know. And you had to, you had to do that on your own because it, it wasn't given to you. The, the time to train wasn't, so you had to make the time. So you just talked about how some of your competitive shooting habits could be detrimental uh, on a team, like in police work. Um, so is there anything in the competition world that law enforcement looks at as valuable, or is it mostly like you would rather focus on the tactical, focus on working on teams? Yeah, I think it's um, it's there's a there's like a there's a weird split to it, and so for example, like the first time I shot Rocky Mountain three gun when I was the summer shooter, there was I think the Nevada SWAT team. They would come out there and shoot it, and you watch those guys shoot a stage, even though it was a natural terrain course of fire. There was no room clearing at this match. It's all natural terrain. Those guys moved more methodical they moved slower they were very very accurate 
and they were they would dig their corners like every bush they would pass they would they would look 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 and even though they knew there wasn't a target there it was just like muscle memory you know they was looking they was digging their corners so you've got to train both you know there's a lot of aspects in in three gun or action shooting that can that can benefit you in police work but you have to not get so tunnel vision on one thing or another you know you've got to keep a an open mind to it um not go you know you don't want to go too fast but action shooting like i said it taught me weapons manipulation is like awesome um shooting fast shooting very accurate you know moving with a sense of purpose where that can that's that's super beneficial in in, in the law enforcement community but you don't want to go too fast you know so <clears throat> i think the you know, there, there's a lot to be learned. I wish every every cop could get out there and shoot some action shooting because a lot of guys don't have that that experience in it. They don't. They've never shot a you know a course of fire where or just a course of fire in general. They never have. They don't really teach them in the academy. In the academy, they teach like like I said, stagnant shooting. You do very very little shooting and moving. There's like one course of fire where you shoot and move to cover, and then you shoot from cover, and then you move to cover again. You shoot from cover again. But then there's one like little, it's like a cone drill in a way. You move to a cone, you shoot an array of targets while moving, and then you switch and you shoot single-handed, shoot offhand, I think, and then you shoot, you know, so, um, both hands while moving. So there's very, very little of it taught out there. I think a lot of a lot of law enforcement officers would definitely benefit from from getting into the competitive shooting industry. So. How would you say that the shooting team has given you the focus you needed and allowed you to define and develop attainable goals? Like that's something like we talk a lot about in the shooting community. And I think when people first get started in shooting, they don't know how to define shooting goals, you know, in USPSA, Oh, I want to move from a, a B class shooter to an A class shooter, you know, um, people, People like like make goals like that, but they don't know what it takes to make goals necessarily because they're relatively new to it. Uh, how how did it define how you made goals for yourself and for your teammates? Yeah, so my biggest thing is the guy to my left or to my right, or in front of me or behind me. That's that's why I train the way I do now. I don't, I train to stay proficient, you know, in my weapon system, but I, I really, my focus is, is geared toward those guys. Cause I, I you know, I don't ever want to be held responsible, you know, for, for something that I could have, you know, trained for and fixed, you know, if, you know, let's say something goes south on the call and I'm the guy that I could have fixed that, you know, I would just beat myself up over it. So I really, really just trained to, support those guys everything else is kind of like i said subconscious it just happens um the weapons manipulations moving and sh shooting you know stuff like that but i i just trying to just support those guys more than anything and that's kind of my goal now is is that's why i still work out you know i work out um to for for one you know uh pat mcnamara he's he was a 
super big influencer in my life, Patrick McNamara. I don't know if you guys ever heard of him. He's a unit oh, guy, yeah. CAD guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, freaking bad, bad man with JAMA. And that guy, when I got out of the Marine Corps, that dude has done so much for me. And I don't even know him. never met him. But I bought his combat strength training program. And that program and his like philosophies on life has changed a lot the way I think of things. And it, it kind of tied things a lot together too, that I learned off teams because he was an army guy. So a lot of the things they were te- learning and, you know, in their marksmanship programs is the same stuff we were teaching and the same stuff that we lived by when I was on teams. So that guy, he really opened my eyes to a lot of things and, and, and kind of changed my training perspective. I train, you know, to protect my family to kick somebody's ass if I have to. And for um, longevity, that's a big thing. I don't do powerlifting anymore. I don't lift. I mean, I lift pretty pretty heavy weight still, but I don't do it to where I'm possibly going to get injured because if I'm injured, my family doesn't eat. I don't go out and, and pay the bills. Or my teammate is, you know, we're one guy down now on a team. Um, you know, so that's kind of how I think of things. Like, it's the big picture. I want to be proficient and self-efficient and I don't want to be non or I don't want to be complacent and non-relevant. You know, that's my big thing. Like I post all the time, hashtag stay relevant because that's everything. I think if you just, if you just like live the nine to five, you come home and watch Netflix, man, you're letting, you're not only letting yourself down, I think in a lot of ways, you're letting your family down, you're letting your teammates down. We ought to, we got to be training all the time nonstop you got to be setting goals you got to beat the you know you got to crush them um all the time it never ends like i have a new goal it drives you know some people that i know closely probably drives me crazy because i'm always like i want to do this now I'm like good lord dude do you ever stop like you're you're go 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 and it's like well i, I can't because that's the way like i the last when i was on teams that's how it was like you set goals all the time if you when i was on the team you did not have a goal you were kind of looked at as like a lazy, a lazy dude, you know, we need to be involving. And like when I was on the team, we were shooting and then we were working out, but we were working out at four 30 in the morning, meathead gym there, at weapons trained battalion. And then we'd go out on the range all day and shoot and then probably work out more afterwards. Like it was this nonstop trying to better, better yourself. And that has stuck with me and it's not going anywhere soon. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of like brainwashed. That's open. I'm, I'm not gonna stop. I mean, if you get brainwashed into some good habits, it's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Um, no. Next question I have for you is: um, so, what's one facet of weapons culture from the Marine Corps that you wish would be more prevalent in the law enforcement side? And I'd ask the same question, vice versa, from law enforcement to the Marine Corps. Uh, shooting, shooting, and moving proficiently and accurately. That's, that's, that's one thing that I don't see we do enough of. There's, if you do do training at your department, it's, it's like, it seems like a lot of shooting and move to cover then shoot from cover, which is good. It's awesome. But I feel like there's needs to be some more shooting and moving like all of the time, like every drill, like every day you should start out. This is kind of like how I direct my training. I start out with like kind of, you want to call it bullseye, call it bullseye. But I start out and I shoot at 15 yards and I do a build drill, like a modified build drill. I'll shoot X amount of rounds and they need to all be in the alpha. And I'm pushing myself to that limit of, of right before failure. So 
if I'm shooting too fast, I start getting bravos. I get out of that A zone. I know to tune it down a little bit. And that's something I learned in teams. I actually learned that from AMU, from John Browning and uh, Joel Turner when we went and trained with those guys. That's what they did every day. They would shoot a modified build drill before training, and then they would shoot a build drill at the end of training. That's how they ended their training. And that's kind of how I've I've done mine. I shoot with that, like, modified build drill, and then I shoot a lot of shooting moving, elevated heart rate training, and then shoot, 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 shoot. And then I'll finish with, like, some kind of, like, accurate bullseye type of shooting, but um, – not I do shoot one-handed don't get me wrong I shoot a lot of one-handed I think that's something that's another thing that law enforcement needs to teach way more than what they do shooting one-handed and off-handed support handed one shooting is something that is not taught at all hardly like ever I don't think I I can I can't remember one time that I've shot support handed one-hand shooting in law enforcement that was it maybe I was like SWAT school I think we did some like tourniquet stuff where we were shooting with our non-dominant hand with a tourniquet on our other arm. I think that was about it. So that's something. Yeah, shoot and move and uh, one-handed shooting is definitely a big thing. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I think that kind of covers everything we had. Uh, Frank, do you have any other questions? No, uh, Andy, thanks for coming on. Um, really enjoyed picking your brain and best of luck to you and your preparations for upcoming tactile games. So you guys are going to have a great time. Yeah. Thank um, you. Looking, looking forward. Sorry about that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I know you are too. I mean, we talked about that earlier this year. I called you up and you're like, Gunny, what's up? And I was like, hey, dude, <laughs> you know, I'm looking at doing this team event. What do you think? And uh, you were like, I'm in, I'm down. Like we, we've been talking about this tactical games experience since you saw me do the last one. It's like, I couldn't think of a better person. And it, it just, I really wanted to bring somebody that was on the team um, back over into the fold and just reconnect. Yeah. 100%. I was, that's what I've always wanted. And you know, it's hard when you move away and you move out of state and you're, you got kids and yada, yada, yada. It's hard to meet up with those guys that you, you trained with for years. And that's, I, when you called me, I hadn't talked to you in, I don't even know how long, months, months, months. And I was so pumped because I knew when I seen you come up on my phone, gunny gunlock is what it's still in there. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is going to be good. And uh, yeah, I, I was super stoked. It was a good time. Yeah, I can't wait. Like, I, I can't, you know, it's going to be a good time. Uh, you know, I'm going to start kicking off training soon here, you know, work through some of the issues I'm going through. But, like, I'm going to I'm gonna power through. Like, this is the one thing. Uh, like, there's two matches I'm looking forward to most this year. It's the Mike Duskin Memorial match. Like, that's, yeah. that's a – you shot that, and that's like a – a class match like that's one you have to go to and then it's yeah. the this tactical games team match um that's gonna be a really good time just because we're gonna we're gonna hang out we're gonna work out we're gonna be suffering you know we're gonna be putting in the miles on the road and we're gonna shoot and you know i you know i have no doubt of your success and where you know you know 
I think you're going to kind of carry me half the time. But <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but uh, no, bro. it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm glad you brought up that that Duskin three gun match. That match was one of my favorites. That every year I shot it. Like, and I think every Marine should go shoot that match because probably 95% of it is Army SF guys. Yep. And you want to, you want to like boast about yourself or see how good you are compared to real life operators that are out there operating. And when they're not on a deployment cycle, they're, they're training. Those guys shoot a lot of action stuff, a lot, a lot of USPSA, a lot of three gun action style shooting, shooting tournaments. If you want to see how good you stack up to some like real life badasses, shoot Duskin three gun match, the memorial match. That is the it, that was one of my favorites, probably top top two easily. Was one of my favorites. Like the the guys there, they were super awesome. All the ROs are like super good dudes. The everything about it was awesome. So and the competitive, you know, the competitiveness of it is great because those guys are all in good shape. Mm-hmm. They will smoke you, you know. They 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 can go out and run five miles and then shoot a course fire like it's nothing. So if you're not training for that, you know, you better better get on it. Because I remember the second year that I shot it, the first year I had a lot of notes that I took away. I always kept a right in the rain notebook, and every match I would shoot, I would I would wrote wrote or write out what I did good and what I did bad and what I needed to work on. And Duskin three gun was one of those it's a perfect combination of like you got to be physically fit and you got to be accurate because the times there will eat you alive if you're not accurate especially with rifle there's a lot of like rifle shooting in that match which is awesome and that was my goal that year was just like i remember the team before we were we shot that we would do it was all stress shoots every day we were on the range we were doing stress shoots we would start out with like a modified build drill some transition drills weapons manipulation stuff and then we would sprint and then shoot a course of fire or do a bunch of burpees sprint course of fire and it paid out our team crushed that match that year we did awesome and you know but we had to train for it we definitely there was no sitting around twiddling our thumbs you know we we trained we put in put in the work that was the year that they had the the notable t-shirt the unicorn getting punched by a dude right yeah, yeah. Every year, it's uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Chief Warrant Officer Duskin. Yep. Um, it's every every year he is, or at least when I sh- shot it, the first year I shot it, he punched a T Rex in the face and like knocked out his tooth. And then the second year was him beating a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. To, I'm curious to see what uh what what the T-shirt looks like this year. But uh, I know, right? But I, I got to ask, do you have any uh, last words of wisdom that you want to leave the listeners with? Yeah, 100%. Stay relevant. Stay relevant in life. Quit being stagnant and complacent. Get out there and train. Shoot. Carry heavy weight. Move around. Do realistic stuff. If you're in the gym seven days a week in, you know, Anytime Fitness or whatever that purple gym is with the lunk alarm you know get out of it get outside get in the mud sweat carry heavy sandbags carry your buddy you know and stay relevant because if you're in any kind of like well it doesn't even matter if you're in a first responder type world or marine corps you could be out on the interstate you know and you you uh, a car wreck 
happens and you got to drag somebody out of the car, you know, if you're not training for it, you know, it's dragging a limp body is hard, especially mm-hmm. when they're 400 pounds, <laughs> you know, yep. a majority, a majority of the United States is probably overweight. So train heavy, move some heavy stuff and, and just stay relevant. Don't, don't become stagnant and complacent. Yeah, if you want some workout uh, inspiration, I'll, I'll plug uh, Andy's uh, Instagram tag uh, name in here. Uh, he does some pretty creative stuff with uh, sandbags. He also, you know, I, I, I was watching your cinder block workout the other day. Uh, so, you know, you don't have to just have a regular gym. You can use whatever you have in your yard. You know, he does sandbags. He uses cinder blocks. He uses all sorts of different implements to kind of train himself in you don't have to have all the fancy gear and equipment you just got to get out there and do stuff but yeah andy for sure andy i i really appreciate you coming on i you know i appreciate your friendship i appreciate everything that you do for us and everything that you have done for us and i look forward to talking to you again uh sometime soon yeah for sure thank you gentlemen for having me on it was a great talk um yeah, Gunny. I'll Matt. <laughs> I guess I can call you Matt now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it's still in my head. I still call. I sir everyone. Sir, you know, sir everybody or call them by the rank all the time. They're like, man, it's my name's Tom, and I'm like, ah, I can't. <laughs> but yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome talking to you guys. Great podcast. Thank you, and to the listeners, thank you for listening. Let us know what you think, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>